Hello and welcome to the AMA Update video and podcast. Today we're talking to a health system leader who's helping physicians find joy and meaning in medicine. I'm joined by Dr. Amin Sethi, Director of Wellness Operations at the Permanente Medical Group in Oakland, California. I'm Todd Unger, AMA's Chief Experience Officer in Chicago. Dr. Sethi, thanks for being with us today. Todd, thank you. I'm, I'm very happy and excited to be here. You know, I've watched a number of your podcasts over the course of the pandemic, and I'm a big fan, so I'm excited to meet you. Well, we have a great team here, and we're really excited to have you here today, too. I just thought for, for starters, uh, kind of back in your description, we talked about you helping physicians find joy and meaning in medicine. Let me just ask, have they, did, they, did they lose track of that, and uh, where are they looking to find it? Yeah, Todd, that's a great question. You know, connecting to the concept of joy and meaning in medicine can feel very abstract, especially when you're living through a worldwide once-in-a-lifetime pandemic. As much as we as physicians at some point in our journey to become become physicians, naturally connecting the inherent ideals of being a physician, a healer, and found a joy and meaning in that, you can imagine with everything we've been through over the last year, the last few years, it's been more and more difficult to connect to that. I mean, our, our physicians have been through a lot, and that's across healthcare. Uh, it's been three years of surge after surge, uh, moral distress, exhaustion, increases in workload. And as we know, physician burnout was an issue even prior to the pandemic, and it's only gotten worse. So part of what we're doing here at, uh, at the Permanente Medical group, group is ensuring that our physicians are able to make those connections again. And, and when we talk about joy and meaning, it, defining it beyond the semantics of that term and really helping people understand what we mean by joy and meaning and how we're going to strategize to make sure that people can find those connections again. Yes, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. I'm curious, you know, when you started your own medical career, they probably didn't have a title like Director of Wellness Operations. Uh, in fact, uh, titles like that or Chief Wellness Officer still relatively new. Uh, and not fully adopted across uh, across healthcare right now. How did you get to be where you are? Well, you know, I um, started my journey in medicine back uh, in college. Actually, I, I was born and raised on the East Coast. Uh, spent all of my time there, and uh, did most of my training in Boston. And and you know, I went on to become a urologist and, and do my surgical training in Indianapolis. And soon after that, I expected to end up on the East Coast and join a private practice there essentially. And my very last interview was here in Northern California with a permanent medical group. And as much as, you know, my wife is from the East Coast as well, as much as I thought I would end up back on the East Coast just in a private practice somewhere, when I came and interviewed with the permanent medical group, I was really struck by not only the integrated model of care that we have here, we're the largest uh, physician-led medical group in the country, but also what I experienced on my interview in the few days that I interviewed, the community, the camaraderie, the genuine connections that my future colleagues had with each other, and how that really fostered well-being in their own daily life. So, you know, I that changed my life. I since then have moved my entire family to the West Coast. The weather has helped, of course, as well. But uh, this opportunity and the opportunity to invest in my career in a place where people really valued their own health and well-being and and valued avenues to get there was was important. And so since I joined the medical group and after settling into my clinical practice and getting my bearings, I started noticing that even in an organization with really robust infrastructure, I'm proud to say we have robust infrastructure and resources to support physician wellness, there were still many opportunities to work smarter and not harder, mm -hmm. uh, to look at our work as physicians and think about our long-term health and sustainability. And so even in my early roles in the organization, I was pretty passionate and vocal about this. So 
when my mentor gave me my first opportunity, my mentor at the time, to work with physicians on health and wellness, I took the ball and ran with it. And, uh, you know, he and I worked closely together uh, in this collaboration. We came to the realization that addressing physician well-being in, in more meaningful ways was going to mean that we need to have a better understanding of the operational and system issues that impacted it. So while we were developing a, a division around this at my medical center, mm-hmm. at the same time, at the more broader organizational level, our CEO our board of directors, our executive staff, we're starting to think about this topic in very similar ways. And that's when the strategy was born. That's when the regional role of director wellness operation or organization was introduced. And when it became available, my mentor, you know, really encouraged me to apply. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be selected and have dedicated myself to those efforts since. And it's been a journey, Todd. It's, it's been quite a journey of learning, actually, in developing the strategy. Well, uh, I want to talk uh, specifically more about Permanente's strategy in the, in the well-being space. You kind of said the operative words, of course, that we talk a lot about uh, here at the AMA with whom you've been working uh, on this, which is system-level issues and looking kind of deeply at those operational issues and how they impact uh, physician well-being. Let's, let's start then. Can you give us kind of a quick overview um, of Permanente's strategy and how it promotes physician well-being? Yes, Todd. So the evolution of our strategy to support professional fulfillment and well-being, what we call our Join Meeting in Medicine strategy, or JAM is the affectionate acronym, it actually predates the pandemic. As I mentioned, a number of years back, our CEO, our executive staff, our board of directors very carefully considered the rapidly evolving healthcare environment and recognized that if we're going to continue delivering on this high-quality, personalized convenient care that we've become known for in the Permanente Medical Group and Kaiser Permanente, we needed to make sure that the part of our strategy that was aimed at supporting, you know, all the incredible people that that delivered that care needed to be approached with the same vigor, the same visibility as our other type priorities. So we needed to be measuring, tracking, addressing well-being at the same level of commitment that we were looking at our operational goals, our quality goals, our excellence in care. And so once we understood this, we knew we needed a strategic framework. And even within that framework, how to prioritize. So to help us with this, at the time I worked with another mentor, and this is our physician executive over people, our people space, physician health and wellness, uh, education and development, Dr. Eli Farhabadi, she brought together and engaged a task force of leaders from across the medical group. And Todd, this wasn't only wellness leaders, it was operational leaders, it was senior level executives, uh, it was p- individual physicians who were passionate about this space. And that group came together as a task force, took a really deep dive in the literature, the work of other organizations like the Institute for Healthcare Improvement, the AMA, and we developed a strategic framework Uh, that is basically based on three main elements. If you don't mind, I'll share. Uh, One is practice support. So the idea here is to design a practice environment where we're really focusing on what systems and tools need to be better optimized to allow people to spend more of their time on meaningful and purpose-driven work. And, And, you know, we can get into some pieces of that as well. The second was culture. Uh, what are the ingredients of a culture that supports this concept of connecting to joy and meaning? Everything from leadership development, right? How are we picking our leaders? How are we developing their skills to lead in a collaborative environment? How are we offering a broader spectrum of professional development opportunities for our people across their career arc? And finally, the third piece was personal wellness. So really continuing to support doctors, uh, physicians, and our teams to prioritize their own health through this diverse array of 
uh, you know, personal wellness programs. So first we have, we needed to have this comprehensive framework, but from there, what do you do with the framework, right? It's not enough just to have a strategy. You need to put goals and, and the strategy in motion. So the next step was ensuring that all of our leaders were using this framework to speak the same language, uh, to identify strengths, to identify opportunities in each of their spheres, whether it was their department, their medical center across the organization, and to use the strategy to drive tests of change to improve the practice environment. Now, uh, just I guess as a testament to the success that you've had with your program is that you have been recognized through the AMA's Joy in Medicine Health System Recognition Program. Tell us a little bit about how you became aware of the program and what your experience has been with it. Well, Todd, first of all, we're very humbled by the recognition and we're especially excited with our ongoing collaboration with AMA. Um, it, you know, it's not that we have it all figured out. I mean, this has been an incredibly difficult time and we have a number of challenges that we, of course, much like all of healthcare are still dealing with. But the recognition is credit to the work that is being done by teams across our organization, right? It's not just a group of one group of wellness lever, leaders or physicians. This is many dedicated people across the organization who are committed to physician well-being and committed to driving the strategy. We became aware of the program a couple of years ago, and as we reviewed the program, its criteria, uh, the goal to inspire organizations to focus on the evidence-based priorities and tactics, this struck us as having a lot of synergy with what we were what we were implementing at TPMG. And actually, when you look at the competencies of the program, which I, you know I'm sure you've seen, um, what the the recognition is asking organizations to strive for assessment, so having a measurement strategy, which, of course, we do, and we developed our own with a, a lot of thought and effort, a commitment, and that's commitment at all levels of the organization, including our executives, which we've had for quite some time, fortunately, uh, efficiency of the practice environment. So we've talked about practice support and the importance of how germane that is to the strategy, leadership, uh, teamwork, and support. So these components or competencies were all really specific and intense areas of focus for us. So naturally, we applied for the recognition. And, and you know, Todd, the application process was a really powerful exercise for us as well. Um, it, it helped us to look internally and critically evaluate our strategy and the progress being made. It was reassuring that we were prioritizing the right things, right, that the AMA and others felt strongly about. And it, it also, we talked about this earlier, but it also it was encouraging along the aspect of this program, especially the way it calls out the concept that joy in healthcare should still be an important area of focus. We talked about that when you're living through a pandemic as a healthcare provider, it's, it's harder to connect to those feelings of joy. And talking about something like joy in meeting in medicine in our organization or JAM, without the context of what it really means and, and what the goals are can cause some cynicism. And we've experienced this as well. So that's why for us, it's been so important to define and contextualize JAM to help our physicians understand that the strategy goes beyond that branding. And much like that, AMA's Joy in Medicine Recognition Program, it's doing the same thing, right? It's highlighting the value of finding joy in your work, but it's also calling out that meaningful change, especially in such a challenged environment, doesn't come easy. It requires widespread leadership commitment, it requires goal setting, and it requires organized efforts at all levels of the organization. So all of those struck chords with us as, as we thought about the recognition in the program itself. I'm going to ask you about that question around joy, because you mentioned uh, a word like that. That's a pretty high bar, right? I love my job. Joy, you know, that's a very, you know, that's a very high bar for that. Right. You mentioned like it could cause cynicism. So how did you define joy in a way that combats somebody kind of 
going like that's not even attainable. Well, joy is a sustainable feeling you have. And as, if we could relate it to healthcare as a result of your work and the connections you make while you are a physician. And it really is about the reason we call it joy and meaning medicine. It's, it's, it's the joy that's obtained by connecting to the meaning and purpose of your work. And I think we wouldn't have, as physicians, made it through the trials and tribulations, right? The mountains that you climb through residency and training and medical school, if we didn't somehow inherently connect to those principles. But the practice of medicine is really grueling. And that was true prior to the pandemic. So it's easy to see how, you know, naturally coming to work day to day when your inbox is filled with emails and uh, you're dealing with, uh, you know, your patients that are now in the course of the pandemic expressing some of that frustration, anxiety, projecting on physicians, why some of that joy can be squeezed out. And so our our definition of joy really has a lot to do with the strategy itself. Like, let's get back to being able to connect to that meaning and purpose, but let's also openly call out the fact that, one, it's not going to be easy, and two, there are evidence-based strategies that can help us get there, right? And and here are the components within culture, practice, support, and personal wellness that we need to focus on. So let's really all focus together and make sure that it's not one individual physician that we're, we're not, we're not focused on making the individual physicians more resilient, right? This is all about all of us rolling up our sleeves, committing to a strategy, uh, and finding our way forward in an evidence-based way. Medicine doesn't stand still and neither do we. AMA members don't just keep up with medicine, they shape its future. Help move medicine, join the movement. Visit ama-assn.org slash movingmedicine. Now, I know, of course, from working with our uh, wellness folks here at the AMA, and again, back to that focus on system-level issues, and some things can be very surprising about what you find really drive, let's say, burnout in an organization. When you went through your process, you established that framework, and you engaged uh, all the operational leaders and many people across the organization. You know, what did you find that surprised you about was, uh, let's say, an obstacle to getting to that joy? Well, first of all, you mentioned operational leaders, and, and I, and I want to just point out that a critical part of our strategy is engaging our operational leaders at all levels of the organization so that the program is not living in a silo. I've already mentioned that this is not the sole responsibility of an individual physician or a group of wellness leaders. It's not about making the individual physician more resilient. Um, and so by engaging the operational leaders, especially chiefs of departments, which the literature shows uh, is the most impactful leader when it comes to physicians' well-being and professional fulfillment. More, uh, more importantly, these operational leaders are in the best position to understand how to balance providing exceptional care while uh, considering the needs of their of their own team. And so one of the things that has been surprising is that we know that this isn't easy and the chief's job is incredibly difficult. So that's why, you know, we've, we we make it clear to chiefs, the solutions don't need to fall on your shoulders. We provide them with tools and skill building to help their them navigate these conversations within their departments and their spheres of influence. We just ask chiefs to actually provide form and psychological safety for discussions about the data, about the feedback, and then to co-design tests of change with their departments, with the members of their department. And so that's why we you know, capture the data in the first place and, and get the feedback. But what's really been interesting is that it's often not you know, really 
dramatic interventions that make the difference. It's it's often the simplest things that people come up with it within their own work unit or department. Uh, so, for example, uh, I guess I can give you a couple of examples. Uh, there was a primary care department after reviewing the data on the measurement that we have, the joint meaning medicine measure, uh, that they set aside time to regularly have their department technology leads, which exists in every department, to coach physicians who struggle most with charting and time spent in the EHR. And just through these few sessions, they just dedicated, had dedicated time to work with physicians to set up, you know, just some functions and voice dictation with our dictation system and create some templates. And this, for the, for that pilot, considerably reduced charting time for those physicians. Um, and this was based on, again, getting the feedback, uh, really reaching out and, and leveraging people that were already there in your department. We have department technology leads in every department and finding a way forward to improve things. There was another orthopedics department that you know looked at clerical burden, which was one of the lowest scoring items on you know our survey, and also surveys naturally uh, because of these non-physician tasks that often get in the way of our practice and get in the way of us providing you know being able to spend time with patients. So when the orthopedics department got together with their chief and discussed this, they identified well what do we mean by clerical burden, and they found that placing physical therapy orders um, was what they saw as the the most impactful administrative burden. So they worked together simply to develop new ordering templates, right? So that their medical assistants could easily put in these orders based on the type of patient being treated. So again, this was a small intervention with a really tangible impact. So one of the surprising things is it's time and time and again, it's modest changes at the level of the individual department that can be really impactful. And it's not, Todd, that, and I'm not saying, by the way, that they're not larger boulders, right, that we need to lose, uh, sorry, lose or move as an organization. Um, even uh, through the course of the pandemic, we're using that feedback to adjust our support systems and move some of those larger boulders. But that conversation at the department level is critically important. And it helps you define the problem and address it in ways that are relevant to the people doing the work in that in that particular space or department. And I like to the, uh, the example you used there, you know, around charting and EHR usage. And I know uh, I've been talking to the team here, uh, little things like just how many times people have to log into the EHR every day and how much time they were spending right. on that. Right. A lot of that time, I know, slips into their personal lives when they're doing it. You know, we call it pajama time uh, after work. So that sounds like a, an excellent place to uh, focus there. Um, last question, you know, given everything that you've learned uh, through the work that you're doing, uh, I'm curious about how you see uh, your program growing this year, kind of what the goals are uh, that you're looking for into the future. Well, Todd, you know, our people have been through a lot over the last few years. I've mentioned some of the issues that we've dealt with throughout the pandemic, and it, it's certainly not unique to us. Certainly, there's a level of exhaustion across healthcare. Um, and I think that much like our broader society, there's also some space for hope as well. So, you know, I've already mentioned that even in the height of the pandemic, we learned that some of the most pressing factors that impact joy and meaning are still those system levels, pebbles and boulders that detract from the day to day experience. So we're still very committed, even in the coming year, to addressing those system level issues. And while we have a comprehensive strategy to help guide us, we also know that we can't uh, possibly prioritize everything all the time. So there is this process of understanding of what we've been understanding what we've been through as an organization how we're going to grow from it, how we're going to learn and adapt and move forward. So we've, we're have we prioritizing six main areas, and I'm, and I'm happy to share them if it's helpful. Um, one is community and camaraderie. 
Uh, this is a strength for us as an organization. As I mentioned earlier, it's it's the main reason why I again moved my entire family right across across the country to join this organization. And we've also seen, Todd, over the last few years, something that's been unique, some resentments and frustrations that have bubbled up even across physicians, across specialties, across departments. And I think this stems in a large part from our inability to stay as personally connected during the pandemic and, you know, the loss of that shared human experience. So this year, you know, in the last few months and in the coming year, we were very focused on bringing people back together, especially across specialties, to restore these connections to work on collaborative team-based care and even collaborate together on, you know, how do we make them work more sustainable across our departments? Uh, the second priority is practice support. We've already mentioned that. So in this example, you know, this includes each of our medical centers across Northern California looking at innovations to reduce clerical and administrative burdens. There's certain accountabilities and uh, and even allocations tied to that. Uh, so reducing those burdens. So that's just, just one example from practice support. There's also this uh, organizational-wide commitment to invest across the organization to support physicians with their in-basket and non-clinical work. Uh, the third is recognition. I already mentioned we've been through a lot. Our physicians have been through a lot. And we need to honor and recognize all of that, right, and, and make sure people feel valued and appreciated for their contributions and their sacrifices. Uh, the fourth is uh, technology integration. There's so much work being done by our technology teams. Like, there's so many pebbles each day being removed. I think one of our challenges across our large organization is closing the feedback loop to make sure we can communicate effectively with our physicians about what those innovations and, and are and how we're integrating technology to make things better for them. So that's what we're focused on with technology. The two that are left are professional and leadership development. So we're further expanding on our professional development opportunities. Uh, we also, as an example, recently increased our funding for physicians to pursue their own education and professional development. So that's professional and leadership development. And finally, and I think one that's really critical is physician well-being. Uh, there's many aspects of this that are important to highlight, but, you know, in the interest of time, I think I want to focus on mental and emotional health. This may be true with others in healthcare, but working with physicians, I, I think it's clear that most physicians, I don't know that they've taken the time to process what they've been through. And, and it's, you may know, it's rare for physicians to reach out to, for help when they need it most. So, this is a concern from us, and this is why we're working across the organization to increase the awareness of all the resources that exist, but also ensure that we're empowering peer support groups to create safe space for dialogue, to help people process what they've been through, even some of the traumas. That, and of course, that's an ongoing process, but hopefully all of us, hopefully, are mentioning, you know, moving on with this, this feeling of post-traumatic growth. I think to sum it up, the, the goal really, Todd, is to, is to continue to create spaces right in our work where physicians can discover hope uh, to be reminded that we do have commitment we do have the tools necessary to help us rise above these challenges and also to remind people that about the most important resource we all have i think in healthcare and, and certainly in our medical group and that's each other you know it's our relationship it's our community it's our shared connection to that joy and meaning that that inspired initially to pursue this career in medicine to to get back to that and create space for that type of dialogue absolutely dr sethi it's been inspiring listening to you and what a great plan i can't wait to hear more about it uh in the year ahead thanks so much for being here today that's it for today's ama update i do want to point out that applications for ama's 2023 Joy and Medicine Health System Recognition Program are now open and they'll close on March 17th. 
If you'd like to find out more information and apply, click on the link that's in the description of this episode. We'll be back soon with another update. You can find all our videos and podcasts at ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thanks for joining us today. Please take care. Thank you, Todd.